Hello and welcome to my Caravan Industry Insights podcast. This podcast is for anyone working in the caravan industry, whether you're from a manufacturer, supplier or dealer here in the UK or elsewhere. So listen every week to hear insights, interviews and marketing tips to help keep you and your business more informed and successful. I'm John Rawlings, a journalist and communications expert with a lifelong passion for caravanning and 20 plus years PR and events experience in the car and caravan industries. From starting in the editorial team at Practical Caravan Magazine to working in the press offices at Vauxhall, Volvo and Volkswagen and now in my own business specialising in the caravan industry. Hello, this is episode 32. Thank you so much for listening. I'm going to keep this little intro brief this week, but I just wanted to tell you that the subject that we're looking into this week is accessibility and does the caravan industry do enough or how can it do more to help people with accessibility needs? And to find out more, I'm going to speak to Stephen Wills and Carla Baker. You can find out more about them in the interview starting now. I'm delighted to be talking to Stephen and Carla, an adventurous young couple from Dorset who love exploring the UK and Europe in their caravan. But what's unusual about that, I hear you ask? Well, Carla has a genetic condition called spinal muscular atrophy, SMA, which means all her muscles are weak and she needs uh, a wheelchair to get around. But they don't let her disability stop them. Instead, they're on a mission to show that camping, caravanning and motorhoming is a great way to see the world no matter what abilities you have. This gives them a unique perspective on the caravan industry. And Carla's now an award-winning writer and, of course, Caravan Writers Guild member. Shout out for the Guild. From her articles on her accessible caravanning adventures. Take a look at their website, adventurewheels.co.uk, and you'll see their motto is Adventure for Everyone, which I think is fantastic. So I wanted to talk to them to see how well, in their experience, the caravan industry addresses accessibility and if there's any room for any improvements. Need to mention that Carla also has a vocal cord paralysis, which means she can't speak above a whisper. But she is here with Stephen today to have a chat. I think Stephen will do all the talking. He's very good at any anyway, Stephen, so you can more than make up for Carla. <laughs> well, I hope so. Hi, John. Thanks so much for having us on. It's, yeah, it's really, really good to see both of you. I know this is a podcast, so I can see both of you, but everyone else can't. But we will, I will post a picture of, of you attached to the podcast, so... People get a good good idea. But first of all, I've said you're an adventurous young couple. Do you mind telling me how young you are? So we are both 29. There's only a couple of weeks in between us. And we're not far off being 30. So dare I say it, for the first time in our lives, we are starting to feel a little bit old. <laughs> 30 in my book is very, very young still. Yes. Yeah, okay, so how, but how long have you been caravanning then? So we first built our caravan in 2017, and I think that we'll be caravanning for about six years now. We have a Bailey Unicorn Valencia, pretty sure it left the factory in 2011. Um, So yeah, that's how long we've had it, and we've absolutely loved it. Good. So you were definitely really, really young then, 23 or so, when you bought it. Yes, we, when we first signed that, we got quite a lot of comments from campsite wardens about how young we were when we arrived on a campsite. But also, they say how nice it is to see the next generation of caravanners coming into the, the caravan world. I, it was sort of quite natural to me. I, I knew I was going to love it. I grew up going on caravan holidays all the time. Yes. Carla, I think, her exposure to vanning was maybe staying for a week on a in, in a static caravan on a campsite somewhere. So it was a little bit, a little bit, you were a little bit worried about whether or not you were going to like it or not but thankfully she did she loved it and we've been doing it ever since 
And what makes you love it so much? I think for us, what we love is knowing that we have the freedom to travel to anywhere we want and have all our access needs taken care of. We love the fact that wherever we pitch the caravan, we know that it, it's fully accessible. We haven't got to worry about arriving at a hotel and realising that and this does happen, arriving at the hotel and realising that the accessible room is at the top of a flight of steps or arriving at the hotel and realising that the lift is broken or arriving at, you know, so-called accessible accommodation and realising that the door whips are too narrow for us to get Carla's wheelchair in and all that sort of thing. So for us, it, it took out that anxiety when travelling and enabled us to have everything exactly as we wanted it. Mm -hmm. And I love the fact that you developed a writing career out of it. Do you think that's inspired other people with accessibility needs? So the, the whole writing thing, it sort of happened by accident. I think it was Andrew Disson, who I think you've had on the podcast before, yes. as fellow Caravan Writers Guild journalist. We, we met him shortly after we brought our caravan and he said, wow, you know, you should really write a blog about this. So Carla started writing a blog on our website and it, it sort of took off from there. Everyone was really interested in what we were doing, which was great. So yeah, I, really? I think I think we've reached feedback. I think we've helped inspire people that, you know, it doesn't really matter what ability you have, you can still you can still have a caravan or a motorhome. We we do hear from people all the time who follow our travels and would love to do something similar. We also get lots of emails from our website from people you know, asking for some advice on how they can go about doing the same sort of thing, which is great, actually. It was really yeah, nice to be able to point people in the right direction and also hear people's plans as well. So you've got a bit of a community going there as well. Yes, we have we have a nice bunch of followers on our Adventures Facebook page and it's really nice to be able to share everything with everyone. Fantastic. You're, you're very active on social media, I would say. Always seem to Yes, be. well, I, I, I can do Facebook and Twitter. I, I don't know my way around the Adventure Wheels Instagram account. That That's all up to Carla, but I think she does a very good job of it. So oh, no, very I good. I'll leave her to do that. Very good. But you also you also write for magazines, out, uh, media outside the caravan industry, don't you? Yes. So Carla's written for a couple of magazines in the disabled sector. I think the most common one you've written for is the Motability magazine, which I think is the, the accessible car scheme for disabled people. Yes. So it's always nice to be able to share a different perspective. I, I don't think there are many people with a, with a motability vehicle that realise you can, you know, tow a caravan and have a caravan that's accessible. In fact, quite a lot of people, and this is one of our most common emails that we get in from our website, a lot of people don't realise that you can actually tow a, a caravan or a trailer with a wheelchair accessible vehicle. And of course, a lot of wheelchair accessible vehicles you, you can't actually tow a caravan with because where they have a, a lowered floor at, at the back, you can't actually physically fit a, a tow bar. So it's got to be the right type of yeah. accessible vehicle. And we have heard a horror story before where a wheelchair accessible vehicle dealer actually told the customer that it's not possible to fit a tow bar on any wheelchair accessible vehicle. And um, well, we're, we're living proof that that's not true. And it was a little bit funny that that was also the type of dealer that didn't sell the type of wheelchair accessible vehicle that you can actually tow with. So there is a bit of misinformation out there. So the more we shout about it, the more the message will get out, I think. Fantastic. One question I had was, I just wanted to make sure the right, what's the right terminology? Is accessibility the correct word? And do people use the wrong terms? Yeah, I think that that's absolutely correct. Yeah, you know, people with disabilities, people with access needs, I think that that's absolutely fine. Cool, cool. And Carla's wheelchair is 
it's particularly it's motorized, isn't it? So that makes it what heavier. That, does that create more issues? Carlos Turner, we, we call it a power chair. It's a quite a specialised power chair that is bold by Boulder Tech, who are based here in the UK. Yes, they are very heavy. They're, they're much yeah, it, looks, it looks very substantial. Yeah. Yes. So we're sort of conscious of, I mean, it's not too much. It's sort of, I think it's about 180 kgs with, with Carla in it. So, you know, spread across four wheels, that's maybe not too dissimilar to one person's, you know, footprint weight, perhaps. So very you know, we are conscious okay. of the fact that maybe she shouldn't be in the caravan unless all the, the legs are down sort of thing. But we, we've never had any issues, so we think it's okay. Okay, cool. So in terms of your caravan, I know you've had yours adapted. Was that because there wasn't an, one available off the shelf or, or not within your budget? So I don't, I don't think there are any sort of wheelchair accessible caravans that you can actually buy off the shelf. And to be honest, even if there was, I don't know if that would be the best option. You know, each person's disability is so unique to them that right. going for a more bespoke approach um, mm. is the better option. We're very lucky here in the UK to have a company based in Nanita and in Warwickshire called Coachbuild GB. Oh, yes. As far as we're concerned, they are the go-to company in the UK for wheelchair accessible caravan and motorhome adaptions. And there's, there's no one else like them. You know, the work they do is absolutely phenomenal. They do have a number of sort of standard layouts that they sort of show people to, but I think a lot of the work they do is bespoke to each individual client. So, well, for example, I suppose if you, you have the standard layout, then you might not necessarily need the extent of the adaptions that have been done. So you might end up sort of adding more weight to a leisure vehicle than what you would necessarily need. Okay. Uh, so having exactly what you want, uh, I feel like that's the, the better approach. Okay, cool. So what... Do you have done to yours? I've been in your caravan, haven't I? So, and you've got a wider entrance door. That's the key thing for you, isn't it? Yes. So we, we have adapted our caravan. It's perhaps not to the extent that we would like to, but we, we've kissed it out as, as best we can for, for what we wanted to do. So for people who, who don't know our, our caravan out the factory is, I think it's what they call the French bed layout. So yes. it's got a lounge up front with a side bed and a nice washroom a, across the rear. Yeah. So we've adapted, we have a ramp entrance up to the front door. As you say, we have a, a wider aperture door and that, that enables Carla to enter with her, her wheelchair. Lovely. We also I did a lot of the inside woodwork stuff myself. This was because we didn't want the expense of, of paying someone else to, to do it. And also, I, 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 I you know, with a, with a little bit of help, I know my way around a toolbox. So, you know, we, we, we had a, a good few weeks of assembling our caravan, changing the parallel lounge into an L-shaped lounge. And that was quite interesting, actually, because I think the majority of, of caravan manufacturers, they, they they sort of build the inside and then they put the walls on afterwards, aren't they? Don't they? So it was actually it was quite difficult to dissemble it, but we, we got there in the end. So now Carla comes up the ramp. She has a nice turning circle where she can sit and relax in the evening. And to be honest, we haven't done that much more to it. We have under our fixed bed, we've put a, a sort of a shelf which we house Carla's respiratory equipment in for overnight use but that that's about it to be honest we've also we've we fitted a, a massive solar panel on the roof and we kitted ourselves out with a really good leisure battery so that also gives us the ability to go off grids or you know visit campsites which don't have electricity and not have to worry about you know running Carla's equipment overnight and, and that sort of stuff so i suppose you need uh, it as a backup as well in case there's a problem with the hookup 
You know, it's, yeah. it's funny as well that, you know, we can survive so much better in our caravan if we had a, a power cut than what we could do at home, which I always think is really funny. So that's that's where we'll be if there's ever a, a blackout anywhere. <laughs> but, you know, in the future, uh, and as I say, we, we did do it sort of cheaply so that we could get into caravanning as soon as possible, you know, after the initial outlay of our caravan we didn't have too much money to spend on the adaptions but right. i think in the future when when we change we'll go for we'll probably go for an eight foot wide caravan and we'll have a wet room fitted to it so that we can sort of manage carla's care a bit better than what we can at the moment we do manage fine but it would just be nice to have that as a as an option as well yeah eight foot wide would help wouldn't it give you a bit more room to move in there yes you know it was i mean you know, a few inches, you know, might, might not seem to make too much of a difference, but when you're actually inside with a, an electric wheelchair, sure, yeah. it, it makes a huge amount of difference. And yeah, that would. It, it gives us more options when it comes to adapting as well. Okay. So how easy was it to get the caravan modified to get that door changed? Did you have to ring around lots of places? I mean, I, would, I wouldn't know where to start with that sort of thing. Yeah, well, we, so I think we, we chose our caravan specifically so that it, it would be as, as cost-effective as, as possible to adapt. So right. we, we, we do as minimal adaptions as possible. Sure. So I, I think what I mean by that is, you know, there, there was space to widen the door without having to move a window, for example, or there wasn't like a locker in the space that the door would be expanded into that sort of thing okay so that's why that's why we chose our caravan in terms of how easy was it to get it modified as i say we are very lucky to have coach built here in the uk and we didn't actually use them which was a a mistake. We, we took it to a, a, a local workshop who didn't do the, the best job. We ended up having a few sort of issues, but you know, we, it, we, we've managed absolutely fine. So yeah, in terms of getting adapted, we get that question. I, I always say, you know, just, just go to coach, but have, have a chat with them and, and, and listen to what they have to say, because they do it all the time and, and they're the experts in the field. Yeah. I've seen them at the NEC shows, etc. They do, do, it seems to do a fantastic, fantastic work. Mm. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we've seen so many of their caravan adaptions okay. uh, over time and it, it's truly phenomenal. I think they, we once did, we, we had a look around an eight foot wide Bailey Pegasus Grande. Wow. Uh, they put a, a 12 volt slide out system that was wow. nearly the entire length of the caravan, the most amazing sort of spacious wet room and oh. yeah, more, more room than you, you'd know what to do with in a caravan. It, it, it was absolutely amazing. So yeah, no, we, we love seeing them and, and the work that they can do. Yeah. Does that mean it would make it harder to sell your caravan or would you sell it to someone who needs exactly that? So it's for the right person. It's the right, the right thing, isn't it? That's a really, that's a really good question and a really tough question because I think it depends who you take it to and who you ask. Mm. So, for example, I mean, we, we've insured our caravan as a higher value than you know an, a non a non adapted equivalent um, right. I think would be valued at. Yeah. Um, obviously, our, our adaptions and the cost of that needs to be reflected in the caravan's value. Right. Um, you know, if you take it to your, your average caravan dealer, and this is in our experience, I, I, it, it, it's a problem to them. And I think the reason that is, is because they then have a unique caravan that's specific to the person that's been adapted for. So that became, becomes a problem for them to, to sell. So I don't think that they may like that as much. And, that's, what I was, and, that's what I was worried about, really. But I think the changes you've done to yours aren't so drastic that it, it wouldn't suit 
and, it, and somebody who didn't need that. What am I trying to say? Anyone could use it, really. You've, you've, you've opened up that lounge area to make it nice into an L-shaped lounge. If someone likes an L-shaped lounge, then that, then that would be perfect. And a wide door getting in, well, that's no big deal, is it, really? That's probably a good thing for some people. So, so the right, yeah, for the right person, that's, I think it's, yeah. it's well, the rest of the caravan is the same, isn't it? Yeah, but yeah. you know, generally speaking, I, I imagine a wheelchair accessible caravan would be would be more difficult to go. I, I think you know the, the price that we were quoted by a, by a dealer for part exchanging it made a sort of a private sale more preferable. And you know, I, I have heard that you know if, if you're upgrading to a new wheelchair accessible caravan or motorhome by coach bill, they can sometimes to to maybe part exchange or even broker the sale of your existing caravan for you. Okay. I think that's done on an individual basis, but yeah. it's always great to have to have that option. Yeah. So yeah, depends who you ask, whether or not it's easy or, or a problem to sell, but I think you just need to find the right person. Yeah. Yeah. And you've got you've got your own little network now anyway. I'm sure you could put the word out when the time comes. And we'll just we'll, we'll post about it on Facebook and see if anyone wants to yeah. buy it. And then, uh, yeah, we'll see how that goes down. Yeah. Do you think, well, I, I was just wondering what your thoughts were, do you think accessibility and the needs of wheelchair users have a much higher profile now than, say, 10 years ago? Yeah, d- definitely. You know, without a shadow of a doubt, I think, you know, the world is gradually becoming more aware of, of people who have different access needs. Um mm. Don't, don't get me wrong, there's still big improvements to, to be made, but overall, the more it's talked about, the more the word gets gets out there, then, you know, the, the quicker and sooner improvements will happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's certainly, I, I'm certainly more aware of it. I see accessibility statements and there's certainly a lot more car parking spaces, aren't there, for disabled badge users, etc. But yes. presumably then, that, that must influence your, your choice of a campsite and when you're planning to visit somewhere. Yeah, so I don't know. So that that might surprise you, but I'd say that it, it, you know accessibility rarely plays a factor in you know which campsites we visit. Okay, to us, it, it, it's it's not a deal breaker because you know we know that wherever we can plonk our caravan, you know we're we're fully you know self yeah, of course self sufficient yeah. within it. You know it, it it is handy sometimes if a, car, a campsite has a wet room adapted for example and actually quite a lot of the oh, quite a lot of the caravan the motorhome and the camping caravanning club sites have a really good standards of accessible wet room across their network of sites okay you just need a radar key i think to get in most of them um which I think most disabled people would, would have anyway. Actually, not, I think we've visited a couple of these sites under the Tranquil Touring banner as well, and, and they seem to have some good accessible wet rooms. So, yeah, yeah, generally speaking to us, it's more important to be located close to accessible things to do than um, it is to be located on an accessible campsite. And, right. And, yeah... But, you know, for, for example, if, if someone wants to wheelchair accessible caravan, but perhaps didn't have, you know, the funds to do as substantial adaption as what they perhaps needed, then they could still use their caravan, but be supported by the, you know, network of sites that have the wet room facilities on them. They do play a very, very key part, you know, for, for, for everyone, I think. Mm. I mean, I would imagine that most campsite owners doing if they don't already have that sort of facility available surely if they're doing any development or up, upgrades that's the sort of thing that would be included these days wouldn't it yeah well i, I i'd hope so you know 
a lot of campsites have, have great levels of accessibility. Some un- unfortunately don't, and there's, there's still improvements to be made. I mean, you know, even nowadays, Connor and I can rock up on a campsite and you know, there's steps to get into the reception, or if, if Carla can get into the reception, then there's not always enough room for her to maneuver in her wheelchair. We were on a campsite recently and we took the, the footpath route to go to the reception. And, and we, we tried every single way that we could go, but we could not find a way to the reception without finding a step. So, you know, there was no drop curbs where they needed to be. So we ended up walking around on the road to the reception. And then when we got there, the sort of the level access route to the reception building was partly blocked by one of those ride-on lawnmowers. So, it, it, you know, I think it's just as the site networks become updated and improved, then they'll start thinking about that as well. And that, that's, that's got to be good. Mm. And what about when you've been abroad then? You obviously, it hasn't stopped you. It hasn't restricted you to the UK. You've been to France and Holland and various other countries, I believe. Are the sites there just as good? Um, yes, yeah, absolutely. And it's much the same as, as being here in England. You know, you, you get really good examples of, of accessibility, but also you, you get equally bad examples of accessibility. So, uh, okay. you know, and being in France, being in mainland Europe, it's exactly the same. Sometimes absolutely flawless. And then, you know, maybe in the depths of the Pyrenees mountains, you'll go into a gift shop and realize that you can't get a wheelchair through because there's so many stands poking out of everywhere. Um, You know, in the same way that, you know, on a cobbly Devon high street, there's a step to get into a gift shop sort of thing. So there's, there's good and bad everywhere. And yeah, we, we see it all and we, we tend to support the businesses that do their their utmost to, to, you know, actually around Carla's wheelchair to get through the door. But on the whole, you seem to get by quite well. Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, we don't we don't really let, let anything stop us. I mean, Carla's Carla's wheelchair, as I say, it's a boulder. It's I think they're seen as sort of the Rolls Royce of wheelchairs. They're they're a phenomenal piece of kit, and you think Carla does you know take it up small mountains and all these sort of gravelly <laughs> muddy paths and everything, and it copes absolutely fine with that. So yeah, we we don't tend to let much stop us. How do you charge charge it then? So when you're away. Yeah, we, we just plug it in. If we're on a site with hookup, we just plug it in overnight when when Carla's not using it and it, it's charged by the next day. Just, just in the normal car- socket in a caravan? Yeah, just yeah. in the normal socket in a caravan. I think it probably doesn't take much more power than our, our caravan's less battery would anyway. Okay. Um, it sort of it, it puts a question mark over how we how we manage when we're off grid. Mm. Uh, as I say, we, we you know our caravan is equipped for us to go off grid. But when when we when we fitted the system, I didn't really know much about solar panels and 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 which ones to get. So ended up getting basically the biggest solar panel that would fit on our caravan roof. I think it's something like 160 or 170 watts. So generally speaking, in the summer, our leisure batteries, you know, pretty much charged by the time we wake up. I should point out to you, audience, Carla and I are sometimes on American times. So we, we, we don't get up at the, the normal time that the rest of the world does. So sometimes by the time that we do wake up, the leisure battery is charged. And um, <laughs> someone told me that, you know, when, when your leisure battery is charged, any any power coming in from the solar panel is just dumped. So we have in the past charged Carla's wheelchair from that power from the solar panel. Oh, and, and actually it works really well. We've just got to make sure that there's enough sun on the roof so it's not zapping all the power from the leisure battery. Right. Oh, that's clever. That's good. That's good, really good to hear. How do you think 
I think we've probably touched on this already, really, but how do you think the caravan industry as a whole could do more then to help people with accessibility needs? It sounds like they're making good good progress and some have got a bit, bit of a way to go, but... Yeah, so so as I say, we you know sometimes we do we do have problems when we arrive on campsites, and and sometimes we don't. That you know there there are improvements that will hopefully be made when you know sites are up, updated. And you know, now that, I mean I don't I don't know much about this, but I'm, I'm sure if you do do some developments, it has to meet a certain level of accessibility. But uh, I, I I I'm not very clever when it comes to that sort of stuff. But we are really encouraged by the future ahead, and I think also it's probably worth pointing out to to your audience that there, there are companies that are out there that do provide accessible accommodation. So Carla and I are lucky enough to do some work with a company called Only Bods and Cabins. They're, yeah. they're based in South Devon, and what they do is they design and manufacture essentially an, an off-the-shelf wheelchair pod and then they distribute them out to campsites and that gives people the option to yes, I've seen the campsite and yeah. have all the accessibility they need and the caravan and motorhome clubs experience freedom branch have put some of those units on their campsites and from from what we hear they're, they're very popular and and also it, it gives people the other options so we get quite a lot of people who 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 email us and ask for you know some advice on what they should do and sometimes they go off and they get a get a quote for an adapted caravan or an adapted motorhome and then come back to us saying oh it's you know it's, it's too expensive they're not able to to do something like that at the moment well you know having a, an accessible pod already located on on a campsite gives you that you know campsite lifestyle it gives you that freedom to know that you can rock up anywhere and there's a really good standard of accessibility waiting for you. Yeah. So actually, that's a really good, that's a really good compromise. If you don't mind me dropping a little plug, there's there is a a tour around one of the Omnipod units on our Adventure Wheels YouTube channel. Yeah. And I don't know if your, your audience might be interested in ha- having a look on there as well, because there's, there is some tours around some wheelchair accessible caravans and motorhomes. Brilliant. So that sort of, that would, that would paint a picture of yeah. pretty much what we've been talking about. Yeah, perfect. But what about, I was just wondering whether in terms of caravan and motorhome design, if they could make them, well, it sounds like the company we already mentioned are able to convert pretty much anything, but I just wondered if the caravan from a design stage could be created so that it would be easier to convert. Does that yeah. make any sense? Yeah, I mean, yeah, and there are there are companies who, who do do things that, that make it easier for people to access their, their vehicles. I think, you know, a, a couple of the caravan and motorhome companies do actually fit a, a, a sort of a grab handle on the inside of their doors to help oh, people yes. get in, for example. Yes. Um, I think is it is is burst though? Are they under the Owenheimer group? I think it's so. Some of these these European motorhome and caravan manufacturers, they actually fit a wider door anyway. That's um, what I was going. I was getting to that. Yeah, I'm sure it was burst. we saw the Dusseldorf caravan salon, and they actually had XL printed on their their door. And we went up and measured it, and it, it was it wasn't as wide as our caravan door, but it was just wide enough to sort of get a wheelchair in. But you know. Having having a, a wider than average door on a caravan on the way home, it, it, you know, it, as you said earlier, it's easy for everyone. It's not just easier for people who, who need it. And that, I think that's the same for pretty much every single adaption anyway. I mean, sort of, you know, drop curbs and automatic doors to aid accessibility, they're easier for everyone to use, not just yes. know, for people who really benefit from them. So, yes, um, yes, yeah, yeah. I think I think the XL's door is, is on a caravan or motorhome is quite a good. I know it's going to have an impact on the 
layout inside. It gives you less space, less wall space for either a seat or a wardrobe or fridge or workspace or whatever it is. But the difference isn't massive, is it? I don't know the width of a standard caravan. I'm sure it's something like 55 centimetres. And then the XL ones we sort of, I'm sure they sort of went up to sort of 75, 76 centimetres. So chunk, on, but, no, no, you know, it's not a huge yeah. amount of difference, but it makes it so much easier to, to get in. Yes, as you say, it will impact on maybe how how long a, a sofa can be or yeah. the area that's surrounding your door. But generally for, for getting in and getting out, it, it's it's so much easier. I think it would help because it would help, help that entrance area be a bit more spacious. And when, there's, when we go away, there's four of us, there's always shoes and stuff left there if, if it's too wet to leave them outside, etc. So I'm quite in favour of a bigger entrance door just yeah. for, that, for that reason alone. Even I'm sure we'd say... Even for things like packing and unpacking, if you're sort of, you know, yeah. taking, you know, boxes in or out for, for, for whatever or anything, it, ju- it just makes everything easier carrying, yeah. carrying out. And yeah. And these doors are available. So it's, it's something to think about, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Tell, tell me briefly where you're going this summer. So it, it's sort of early summer. We, we're off on a, a trip this year. We, we're heading down to the French Alps and we're also going to explore Jura, which I'm, I'm led to believe is sort of a, a lesser known part of eastern France. So that's where we're looking forward to going. We did the Pyrenees last year, which was phenomenal. So yeah, we're doing the French Alps this year. And then we're on to Germany. We're heading to the Black Forest region. Which was very excited about. We've wanted to go for, for years, but unfortunately, you, you may have heard there's, there's been a COVID nineteen pandemic, so we've had to we had to keep putting off going. So this year, it, it's finally going to happen, and we're, we're very much looking forward to that. As for the rest of the year, I don't know. I really, I really don't know. That, that's what we're focusing on at the moment. So we're a bit of an open book. Well, that's good. You've got to leave some options open, haven't you? You're a big fans of Scotland, aren't you? You've been up there a few times, out right out to the uh, outer Hebrides. Yes, yeah, that was that was one of our most memorable trips out to the Outer Hebrides and exploring the Scottish Highlands have stolen on lots as well. There's so much adventure that can be had up there and we just love the sort of the mountain and the foresty sort of environments that, yeah, I think that's why we keep going back. It's just a shame it's so far from where we're based down here on you, the South Coast. Yes, you couldn't be much further away really, could you? <laughs> well, I think it would be probably quicker and easier to get to, you know, most destinations in, in, in yeah. France. It would, it would. Europe than it would be to go all the way up to Scotland. But, that's, um, that's my problem as well. I'm in, in Sussex, so I keep trying to get us to go on a holiday in Scotland. But yeah, it is quite a long way. And for the same sort of travelling time, we could be in Switzerland or uh, probably Italy, I think. But we must yeah. go. We must go. I'm desperate to go. I've seen yeah. all of Andrew's videos and, and your photos were stunning as well. So yeah, definitely got to go. When, what time of year did you go? So we've we've done a couple of trips to Scotland. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we've we've pretty we've pretty much visited Scotland in every season. We we did Edinburgh for, for Hogmanay oh, a couple wow. of years ago, which was amazing. We I think our trip to the Outer Hebrides was early summer a couple of years ago, and we've also done a, an autumn trip as well. Our, our very first trip to Scotland was in the spring. So yes, we have done every single uh, season. Yeah. And I think the thing you know everyone says about Scotland is you, you go there once and then you you'll have to keep going back there. Because yeah, it's just such an amazing place. I want to go to Edinburgh Fringe as well. I've always fancied going to that. That's summertime. Oh, yes. uh, but you've got this good accessible walks and stuff there, hasn't it? Judging by your photo. Yes. Yeah. Yes. The, yeah. There is. Yeah. You know, even in the most remotest locations. And actually, we were we were very surprised by the Outer Hebrides. We thought 
you know, somewhere so remote and far away, you know, it, it, we, we might not have much fun with access, but actually it's in the very nature of the people who live out there. They're so kind-hearted. They're so accommodating. They're, they're some of the nicest people you can ever meet. And they've gone to, I, I don't, I can't think of one example that we had a problem doing anything you know, I had a venue anywhere and, and having a problem with, with access. So they've really gone above and beyond over there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so in general, you know, some of the, some of the boat tour companies, we did a, we did a boat trip in Inverness later on last year. That, that was accessible. And I think, you know, you just need to plan ahead. You need to sort of go on the, the tour operators websites and find out what is accessible and, and what isn't uh, and take it from there. You know, actually we, we found them. Um, one of the most, you know, one of the most accessible Christmas markets that we've ever come across was the Edinburgh Christmas Market. And it was actually the best Christmas market we've ever visited as well. And yeah, there, there's so much out there that, yeah, we, we love sharing it all with people and, and showing you what you could do, really. Yeah, well, you're doing a fantastic job of that. So on to my next fun question then. If you could take your caravan uh, or, a, or a motorhome uh, anywhere in the world, where would you like to go? What, what's on your ultimate bucket list? I think for I, I think and and this was Carla's idea as well, but I I, I totally agree with it. Um, mm-hmm. One day it would just be absolutely amazing to do an RV trip across the United States of America, mm-hmm. uh, visit some of the epic landmarks, drive along Route sixty six, visit the Grand Canyon, drive along the California coast. That that for us would would be the most amazing trip. Maybe. More realistically, though, the not too distant future, we'd love to go on a Scandinavian adventure and visit some of the Norwegian fjords and head all the way up to the Arctic Circle. We also, and you know, I don't, I don't think we can do the trip in less than five thousand miles, but we'd love to drive up to the north coast of Norway, where there's a place called North Cape. Yes, and it's the apparently it's the furthest point in mainland Europe that you can drive to. It is, um, it is. I've been I don't, there. I don't know what it is, but Connor and I have a thing for these sort of geographical sort of <laughs> limits we we try and visit them all if we can so yeah more more realistically scandinavia sweden and, and norway would be lovely um, amazing yeah well you're far far too young to remember it but in i think it was 1995 and please don't tell me you weren't born by then because you probably weren't <laughs> yeah. I, I there was, a, there was... We about, i think colors just said we were about two years old oh okay there was a tv program on channel four called the real real holiday show where they gave people a video camera and a, and a producer followed them and such. So I did a trip to the North Cape in, in, a, oh, wow. in a caravan, in a, in a Bailey um, pageant champagne and a Vauxhall Omega estate. Uh, with a, with a, so the other thing is we, we were quite tight on time. I only had two weeks holiday, so it was a bit of a rush. We had to go up, but it was awesome. But we had to come back the same way. If I'd had more time, it would be lovely to have gone down through Finland and done a proper, a proper loop. But we were there late June, early July-ish time. So, yeah, 24-hour daylight. And we'll have to pick your brains if you've been up there already. But I, I understand that you, you were lucky enough to be a part of the, the trip with Bailey of Bristol a few years ago. I think they yes. drove all the way up to... Land in, in Finland, yeah. That was, I went in the summer when my trip, the Bailey trip, was in, in winter. Yes, yeah, so that was another interesting experience. But that was based on my experience of working at when I worked at Volvo in the press office, and we used to take journalists up there to drive well, new cars in the in the winter time. So I'd, I'd been there and seen it, and thought, yeah, this is that was a great opportunity. But as a result, I do love Scandinavia, and everyone that's been there seems to come back loving it. It has a special special charm. But you'd be, it'd be perfect for you in the summer because you, you don't get up till midday anyway, and it's going to be you can stay up. 
<laughs> I, well, I became quite nocturnal when we were there because the first night we thought, well, we must stay up and see see if it does get dark. And of course, it doesn't. And then, of course, we slept in till lunchtime. And yeah, I, I think we'd fit in really well up there, wouldn't we? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, that would be great. And yeah, no, that, yeah. So that would be one of the, the most amazing tricks we, we'd love to do one day. But your American trip, you could ship your caravan over to America. That's, that people do that. And then you'd be self contained. I'd be lying if, if I said that we hadn't already looked into it. I'd but love to do at, that. At the moment, it, it's a little bit cost prohibiting. Yes, um, I'm sure. I'm sure. You know, in, in the future, yeah, we'll, 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 see, we'll see what would happen. It's 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 uh, it's more cost effective to do it in a motorhome because you take up less space on the on the ferries. I'm sure you've looked into that. But anyway, yes. Well, I'd, I'd love to see. I'd love to see. You know, the comparisons between how they do caravanning and motorhoming over in America to, to what they do here. I think a lot of what they do is is very comparable to here. But I, I love the fact that you know. They have, you know, full hookup as, as seems to be as standard on every single campsite and, yeah. and, and all of that stuff. I think that just makes life easier. I think the other thing is, well, I've heard about American campsites that some sites actually offer what they refer to as, as pull through sites. So if you're right. on route to somewhere, an RV, you can, you know, you can pull up on a campsite and they have a dedicated pitch so that you haven't got to unhook or reverse. I think that would be really good. Yeah, I have to confess, I've not tried RVing in America. That is on my wish list as well. I've stayed in a tent in a campsite in Canada, but I haven't done the RV thing. We did look into it for our honeymoon, but we never quite got around to doing it in the end. Nearly. It'll happen one day, definitely. Yeah. Um, what's the best place you've ever pitched your caravan? I, I think I know the answer to this one. What do you think we're going to say? You're going to say Scotland and the Outer Hebrides, because I, I, <laughs> I can remember your photo on probably on your social media, or maybe it's on your website, of the lovely or the absolutely stunning view of the of the, of the clear sea out of your out of your window. That, yeah, you actually nailed it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, without a doubt, it would be for us staying on that campsite on the west coast of the Isle of Lewis in the Outer Hebrides. We were there, sort of. I don't think it was. I don't think it was the height of the summer, but it was summer enough so that it didn't actually get completely dark at night. We were we were pitched headfirst with our caravan, and and the view out of the window, as you know, was the white Caribbean coloured sand and turquoise sea. And I remember every single night we went to bed hearing the, the waves crashing on the shore. Oh, beautiful. Um, and it was absolutely perfect. And we'd, we'd love to go back there in a heartbeat. And that, you know, actually visiting the Outer Hebrides was what spurred us on to make the caravan off-grid compatible because a lot of the campsites over there don't have hookup. So in order to be in that location, that's what we, we needed to do. So, yeah, we'd love to go back there. And as I said earlier, you know, the rest of the year for us is an open book. So maybe it'll be later on this year if we, if we, if we don't get anything else booked. Yeah. I must say that did inspire me to want to go, definitely. So we're nearly finished. I mustn't take up too much of your time. If you if you could have a barbecue on a campsite with three famous people, celebrities, politicians, whoever, dead or alive, not family and friends, who would you invite? I love hearing what people come up with for this. Okay. So for us, I think I think we're gonna have a barbecue on a campsite. We've got to, we we'd have to invite Gordon Ramsay as chef. I think he'd put on an amazing barbecue and, and give us some great tips for how to do better cooking yeah, and that's a good start, definitely. Um, who else? Maybe someone who's good at playing the guitar for a little bit of sort of musical entertainment. Ed Sheeran, maybe or do you know any other famous guitar players, Carla? No. Well maybe Ed Sheeran then. That's um, a good 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 choice. Yeah. And 
Do you know what? I, th- I think it would be really interesting to invite back from back from the dead, maybe Martin Bailey, the founder of Bailey of Bristol, oh. or or Siddle Cook, who I think oh, was yeah, yeah. the founder of Elders Caravans. Yeah, I think it would be so fascinating to hear about you know life back then. Caravans were, were first becoming mass produced, and some of the differences that that are about now. I think that would be really interesting conversation. So yeah, that that that's our three. Oh, very good, very good. Well, Sam Alper, if you listen to my other podcast interview with Steve Trossel the other week, when you catch up, Stephen, with all my podcasts up. that you're you're a bit behind on, yeah. uh, you'll you'll hear a bit of history there as well. That's interesting. Very, very good. So, and the other question I ask people, but I know the answer to you on caravan or motorhome. What's the first choice for your holiday? No, no, no issue. Which would be your, still be your first choice? This might, this might surprise you as well because, you know, I, I'd absolutely love the idea of a caravan. And, you know, I, sorry, I'd love the idea of a motor home. I, I just, yeah, but we've never tried one. But, you know, I just think you, know, you you sort of arrive and you haven't got the one here. So you haven't got to, you know, necessarily go out in the cold and, and, and do anything if you, if you don't want yeah, to. Yeah. But for us, it's absolutely got to be a caravan at the moment. I think, you know, plonking a caravan on a pitch and having it as a, as a base for us starting off in the car to explore, I think that works so well for us at the moment but in terms of a sort of an ultimate outfit that you know if money was no object and i'd say we definitely have a a, a properly converted wheelchair accessible caravan but also for our next tow car we really want it to be a day a day van as well oh, yeah. uh, so we'd maybe have a a, a Volkswagen again the transport that we can tow a caravan with mm-hmm. uh, and then have it sort of kitted out with you know, maybe a kettle and a sink and some toilet facilities perhaps, and that will support us when we're, we're out on long days or even if we want to make a cup of tea or coffee on, on route to our next destination. I think that would be the, the ultimate outfit for us. Yeah, that sounds good. That sounds very good. Yeah, you're a great explorer is going off in your car and having days out. That's not yes. always I, so easy with a motorhome. I still, you know, I, I, I've been driving for maybe 10, 12 years now. I'm not sure, but I, I still, it still feels a bit novel. The fact that you can, you can sit, sit down in your car and, you know, time passes and then you arrive at the most, you know, stunning location. I think it's just amazing that, you know, we can just drive anywhere we, we want to. And you enjoy the journey. Yes, we do. Yeah, and and seeing seeing what's a long route as well. Yeah. Do you do you sing to Carla as you're travelling? She we just do, raised do, her eyebrows. We do play music in the car. Although I think from some of your comments earlier, perhaps we need to put on the the Industry Insights Tom Rawlings podcast um, yeah, for your next long journey. It'll fly by. Honestly, I promise. <laughs> yes. <laughs> cool. So right, I'm going to wrap it up. Wrap it up there. But your website is www.adventurewheels.co.uk. Yes, and yeah, we're on the internet. Facebook and Instagram, your Adventure Wheels UK, and on, yep. but on Twitter you're both under your separate names as so Steve Wills four six five and Carla B four six five. Yeah, we we normally say people can can find us using hashtag Accessible Adventures as well. That's the, the easiest way to to find us. Yeah, or, um, but but also maybe it's worth pointing out that you know if anyone does want any advice, if if they want to get in touch with us, then they can do so via our website, which is on the internet, and our email address for that is hello at adventurewheels.co.uk. And brilliant, we'd love to hear from people. Excellent. Well, that's that's good. But I really really love your passion for this and uh, what you're doing into spreading the word to encourage more people with any disability to be able to go out and enjoy a caravan or motor. So well done for that. And thank you very much. 
Well, thanks so much for having us. It's great to be here and it was great to share our insight. I knew you'd have a lot to say. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, John. Brilliant. Thank you very much. So that just leaves me to say thank you very much for listening. Please subscribe and I will look forward to speaking to you again next week. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it and would really appreciate it if you could share it with as many people as possible. Even better, please give me a five-star review in iTunes. It would be a great help. If you'd like me to interview you, want to suggest someone to interview, or interested in sponsoring this podcast, or want to get in touch with me for any reason, please drop me a line at john at rawlingscommunications.com or message me on Instagram at rawlings underscore comms. Thanks very much. Bye for now.